Hello folks, I'm back in Plovdiv, beautiful Plovdiv, Bulgaria, after a few days in the capital, Sofia. And I got a reply to one of the videos that I've uploaded recently. In fact, I got a couple of replies that I want to read out now and respond to and hopefully get some of your thoughts in the comments section below. And during the video, I'll drop some tidbits about some other information that you might find interesting in the context of, oh, the Queen has passed away. And what does it mean? And what do people, what are they saying about it? I've seen people saying that the Queen is, has been, uh, she was dead a long time ago, they're saying. I've seen other people saying that the, there's weather modification going on to put a rainbow over Buckingham Palace. Well, what are the odds of that? Maybe they're modifying the weather. There's a, I know some people, you're going to find this absolutely outrageous. I know some people who think the royal family are all MTF or FTM TR4NS. I mean, there's a lot of bizarre theories out there about the Queen and her recent passing. We might talk about some of that, but first, I want to scroll... I mean, let's be real. I've got a couple more days of making these videos and publishing them on YouTube before I say, that's it, I'm done. So let's have some fun with it. got this very interesting comment from Seabass. And Seabass uh, has been, I guess, commenting on some of my work for a couple of years now, and he even joined us. Uh, he was one of the people... I don't know if you guys remember this. I used to do this thing where I would say, if you leave a really good comment, or if you leave a voicemail, that's what it was. If you leave a really good voicemail, I will give you a free membership to johnlebond.com. And Seabass was one of the people who did that. He left an excellent voicemail. don't know if this was six months ago or 12 months ago. The time just flies when you're having fun, doesn't it? But the point is, I'm familiar with Seabass, and he's a lovely fellow from somewhere in North America. I actually, I want to say Canada, but it might be some other place. I can't remember now. Like I said, it was some time ago. In any event... Lovely fellow, he left this comment. Now, for context, this is a video, this uh, Queen video that I uploaded last night. It's a video where I explain a few things to do with the Queen thing, and I also remind people, hey guys, uh, I've had a lot of fun doing all of this. I'm gonna keep doing it for johnlebond.com, but all of the YouTube stuff, I mean, I've uploaded more than a thousand YouTube videos over the last eight years, can you believe that? I've uploaded literally hundreds of publicly available podcasts. I've done quite a fair bit, and I'm, Super happy with how I've spent this time. I think it's been very worthwhile for me and worthwhile for many people. But it is time to focus my efforts less, much less, on the public material and the promotions and more on the research and content creation for the people who actually care about it. I think that's fair enough. So Seabass said in reply to this, Always loved your stuff, but the paywall is too expensive for any online creator, in my honest opinion. You can question my other expenses... And I'll reply that I live simply and am thrifty all around. I do not want to be your sugar daddy. I just want to ponder reality along with you. Now, this is fair enough. I know that Seabass, having spoken to him, I know that he does live a relatively frugal life. He's one of those, I think is a really cool where you uh, spend less on things, which means you don't have to work as much, which means you can spend more time with your family and your friends and what have you. He's one of those kinds of people. And I think that's really cool. One of the things that he said, though, was... And so I believe him when he says that he's a thrifty guy and that, you know, because some people, they'll spend literally thousands of dollars a year on coffee or on alcohol. Then they'll say, oh, it's too expensive, which is just like uh, joining someone's Patreon or joining someone's membership or whatever. They'll say, oh, it's too expensive. And it's like, what do you mean too expensive compared to what? Like, don't pretend you don't have the money. In this case, I don't think Seabass is pretending. I think he's being quite honest. He doesn't uh, spend that much money on that many things. And I think that's cool. But when he says, I don't want to be your sugar daddy, your sugar daddy. I would thought maybe Seabass is a little bit confused about how much membership to johnlebond.com costs. So we'll come back. There's other good points that he makes in this. Before we get to that, let's just 
get one thing right off the bat here. Right now to join JohnTheBond.com, if you were to join for one year, right? If you join for one year, you don't have to, you can join for one month. But suppose you were really frugal and wanted to be sensible about it. You could join for one year. It would cost 299 AUD, which is 205 USD. Now, if you divide 205 USD by 52 weeks, that's $4 a week. So what I would like to know, that's in US dollars, obviously. It's a little bit less than four US dollars a week. So what I would like to know is where in the world can you be somebody's sugar daddy for four US dollars per week? Where is this place? I would genuinely like to know. Many inquiring minds would like to know. Now, of course, he wasn't saying sugar daddy literally. Let's go back to this uh, comment. What, and that's so obviously I'm being facetious with my comments. What this gets to, though, I think, is the mindset that a lot of people have. It's like, well, if I give you money, I'm now your sugar daddy. Or if I give you money, like, why am I giving you money? And that's a very fair question. Why would anybody give anybody money? Why would anybody spend money on anything that wasn't necessary? And I think we all do spend money on things that are not strictly necessary. For instance, I'll give you one example of what I spent money on. There's a very good chance that tonight, once I've finished replying to a few emails and uh, sorting out some things on the website after a few days away in beautiful Sofia, I'll head down to the old local, have a beer or two, completely unnecessary, and then if I have one frothy too many, I might wander down and get me a donut kebab. And the donut kebab is from the shop near the, the local that I go to. Don't look anywhere near as good as this. They are very dirty, <laughs> dirty donut kebabs. And I know I shouldn't eat them because they're not necessary and they're not very good for me. But you know what, I do it anyway, because it feels good in the moment. And the donuts that I buy are about, if I get the small one, how much is that? I think it's like four lev. It's a couple of US dollars. If I go for the gulam, the large, I'm looking at about four US dollars. And that's just for one completely unnecessary meal. And that's not even including the beers. I might buy three or four beers tonight. They might be 12 lev or 15 lev, right? Like we're talking seven, eight US dollars. All of this is unnecessary. But the reason I do it is because it feels good. That's what we spend our money on, whether it is uh, mainstream entertainment or it is uh, processed food or it is what, like anything. We all do it and there's nothing wrong with that. The point I'm making is that to compare joining someone's patron or their membership, whatever the case is, to being... I mean, if I go and buy a gulam donut kebab, would I think to myself, man, I'm these guys' sugar daddy? No, I wouldn't. So what I'm getting at is with uh, folks out there, good folks, fine folks like Seabass, their mindset is very different, I think, to my own. He says later on in his comment that he supports a few content creators to a total of 15 US dollars a month. I support a number of patrons, this is me, John LeBond speaking here, to the tune of about, I think, 50 or 60 US dollars per month. And I don't think of that as an extravagant expense. And I don't think of myself as any of their sugar daddies at all. I don't feel like any of them owe me anything. In fact, some of the people uh, whose patrons I'm a, like I'm a patron of, I rarely even check out their podcasts or whatever it is that they produce. I just check in once every month or two. But I support it because I think it is important. And when I do want to check out their Patreon content, it's there waiting for me. So for me, it's very convenient. So Seabass says he supports a few content creators for a total of $15 a month. In some months, that feels like a lot. So in the case of people like Seabass, maybe four US dollars a month really is a lot because of the choices that he's made in life and how to live his life. He truly doesn't have four US dollars to scratch together. Possibly. I don't know. I don't know the guy. 
I think he would be an exception though to the to the general, if that is the case. I think most people probably do have four US dollars uh, per week lying around. Anyhow, I want to get on with this comment because there's some good stuff in here. Seabass says, I did appreciate the free month you gave me once. Your way of looking for primary sources has been a game changer for me. That is such a lovely comment. I really appreciate that. When I got into the, the so-called truth community back in 2014, circa 2014, there was a complete dearth of people who would go and check for primary sources. For example, things like scientific studies, like what is the official story? Before sitting here and saying, oh, they're wrong about this, the giant spinning ball because I... No, well, do you even know what their story is? Before you even try and say that their story is wrong, have you tried to track down what their stories, where their stories come from? What are the primary sources? There was no one doing that that I could find. So I started doing it myself because I was fortunate enough to have, and I say fortunate, some people would say that I was unfortunate and they might have a good case to make. I did fairly well at school and I was awarded a scholarship to a decent university and I studied. And I, I had to learn how to go and find a scientific study, how to read it, how to understand it. I had to learn how to write papers myself, which doesn't make me smarter than anybody, but these are skills that I had that a lot of people in the truth scene either didn't have or didn't care about because all they would do is argue with each other without going to the primary sources. And so the fact that I've been able to share some of that primary source research methodology, as I call it, and that people have found value from that, I really appreciate that. So thank you, Seabass, for making that comment. He calls it a game changer. It's very nice. He says, but I just wouldn't pay any podcast that much. This is the next thing where I think there's a misunderstanding. Most of the members of JohnTheBond.com aren't paying me for the podcast that I put out. They're paying to remain part of the e-community that we've built over the last six years. And I think that is the big difference. Some people have no interest in joining an online community to discuss skepticism or sync or so-called conspiracy. They've got no interest. I mean, that's fair enough. The thing is, if you're on YouTube leaving comments on people's videos, you're already part of an e-community, of an online community. You're already part of one. You might not think of it that way, but that's what you're doing. You're listening to people tell you things. You're replying to them. You're thinking about them. You're giving it your time, your energy. You're already part of one. You're already part of an online community. The difference with JohnTheBond.com is that it's a closed community and it costs money to get into. And having that paywall is a filter. It filters out the people who are just wasting time or there to troll or cause problems. It filters out the time wasters. And so when people focus on money and not on time, it tells me that, once again, their perspective on the world is different to mine. I'm happy to pay people to save me time. I'm happy to pay people to save me time because I know that time is valuable. And that is what JohnTheBond.com does because by having that filter there, I'm saving you from having to listen. If you listen to a John the Bond podcast, a two-hour podcast, you're not going to hear time wasters because they're not going to be at JohnTheBond.com. And the few, we've had a few, like two or three of these who've paid the money to get in and then start wasting time. It didn't take too long for me to realize this guy's wasting our time. Got rid of him. That's what I do. I don't like doing that, by the way. I really don't like doing that. But that is part of the job of running the site. I get rid of him. I get rid of the time wasters. So in the case of Seabass, I think he's very time rich. I think he's very money poor, and that's totally cool. Some people are very money rich and time poor. It's all about what you preference, what you what is most important to you. Seabass probably has all the time in the world to listen to all kinds of podcasts and, and not worry about the time wasting. A lot of the people on JohnTheBond.com, they are engineers. They are lawyers. They are people who have, for whatever reason, done... I mean, there's entrepreneurs on JohnTheBond.com. You'd be surprised how many people have been successful either through the corporate world or through entrepreneurialism or whatever, uh, time is money to them. And they happen to have money. So they're happy to spend that to save themselves some time, you see. 
So the reason I'm going through all this with you guys right now is to think through the different perspectives that are out there. And I think CBAS is, is valid. That's, a, that's the main point I wanted to make when I sat down to record this. I'm not saying to anybody, you should join JohnTheBond.com. It is worth your money. No. For some people, it isn't worth your money for whatever reason. That's a perfectly valid uh, perspective, decision. I, I'm not here to... I'm not here to say otherwise. We, we all spend... You could come to me and say, JLB, what? You're going to spend... You're going to have five beers and then eat a donut kebab on the way home? That's a waste of 20... That's a waste of 20 left, 25 left. Like, you could you could have saved that money and put it into crypto. Yeah, I could have done that. But I valued the beers and the donut kebab over the crypto. So you see, we're all... And my position is valid, just as yours is. All these positions are valid. The point that I'm trying to make is that we make these choices. We have the options... And for the next couple of days, JohnTheBond.com is still open to uh, potential new members. People have the choice. And if they choose not to join, fair enough. That's totally fair enough. By the end of this video, I hope that you guys understand what choice it is you're making. Because if you think the choice is between being my sugar daddy or not being my sugar daddy, you might be a little bit mis... Uh, you might not quite understand what we're talking about. Or if you think the choice is to pay for my podcast or to not pay, most people on JohnTheBond.com aren't paying for the podcast. That's not what they're paying to remain members for is the point I'm trying to make. So let's carry on with this. Seabass says, the thing is, with lower tiers, they have more people supporting them. Yeah, and that, people like, um, uh, let's see, Greg Carwood High Side Chats, or Crow777, or, uh, I mean, there's not that many people in our, in the media fakery corner of the internet, or the, uh, the ball of skepticism call of the, uh, corner of the internet. Uh, all, any of these people, some of them uh, charge $8 a month, or they charge $12, or whatever a month. The thing is, I'm not sure how many of them, when you pay the money, that you're joining part of a community that has, for instance, every fortnight we have the member calls, the member Discord calls at JohnLeBond.com on our exclusive server. I record two hours per fortnight, but we also have hours and hours off the record chat. And these are chats with people who understand media fakery. They understand synchro mysticism, what I call sync. They understand that the science, the academics, some of what they say might be true. A lot of what they say isn't just nonsense. You can you can prove that it's nonsense by going to the scientific papers. They understand all of this. They're interested in it. They like to talk about it. They like to joke about it. Have fun. That is the difference. If you could pay $8 a month and say, talk to, for instance, talk to Greg Carwood and some of his brighter listeners or contributors, that'd be an absolute bargain. Like I'm already a THC uh, subscriber or patron. I'm already paying my $8 a month, whatever it is. But man, if he said, hey, every two weeks, we'll have a, a member call where I've already got rid of the time wasters, people who don't know what's going on. It's just going to be me. People understand sync or media fakery or the important topics. They can chat without getting triggered. Dude, I would happily pay 10 times that amount if he was going to do that. But he won't. And I don't blame him. And neither will Crouch. Neither will anybody. Whereas I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to get rid of the time wasters. I'm happy to host the calls. I usually host the two hours of the call and then the rest I'm sort of just one of the participants. And it's awesome fun. So again, I want to make this clear. These people who you're paying less money for, I'm sure it's a value. If you're paying Crow or, uh, I mean, I'm telling you right now, I think Greg Highside Chats is definitely worth eight bucks a month. I think it's worth double that as is. I would happily pay double that. The point is to compare JohnTheBond.com to these other places. Again, I think there is a misunderstanding. All right, Crow777 says, oh no, sorry, Seabass uh, says, Crow777, guys, I had a big few days in, uh, in Sofia. I had a huge few days in Sofia. Man, what a crazy city. So I'm a little bit light on sleep. So uh, maybe I won't go out tonight. Might stay and get some sleep. 
It is a Friday though. Fridays are the most fun down at the old local. Ah, we'll see what happens anyway. So, Seabass says, Crow Triple Seven has something similar, but their buy-in is $10. You still get a very good first hour for free, and then the more controversial stuff in a second. Which is fair enough. Whatever Crow Triple Seven is doing, I say good luck to him, and from what I can tell, he's doing very well for himself, so that's all very well and good. Arguably your, this is you, Jobby, your first hours are just getting to know the person and then keeping everything juicy for behind the paywall, which is understandable with a high paywall. Well, that part is true. The conversations, I try to make the first 40, 50 minutes all about the guest. Uh, what is your YouTube channel about? Or what is your blog about? Or like, what are your main interests? These kinds of things. Then the controversial stuff, I've usually got like a, or I've always got my notepad and pen ready. Here's the, here's the juicy stuff I want to ask you. That usually goes in the second hour of the conversation. That is true. So for those of you out there listening to this, if you've ever heard the first hour of a conversation and you're like, oh yeah, it's kind of interesting, kind of boring. Fair enough. Generally, the juicy stuff is in the second hour. It's important in the first hour though to get to know the guest. Why are we talking to this person? What have they done? What is interesting about them? Like, try to get the listeners to know who am I listening to right now? Before you jump into the controversial stuff, what do you believe about this? What do you believe about that? I heard you, before you get into that, no, but who is this person? And I'm very happy with the conversations format. Very happy with it indeed. Okay, so Seabass concludes. Anyways, just thoughts. Too bad to see you go in that manner. He means leaving. Because I'm telling you guys, these YouTube videos that I've been doing more than a thousand over the past eight years, I'm not doing them anymore. I think I've done more than enough. Seabass says, it's sad to see you go in that manner. You seem like you've had enough. Well, I've had enough putting my time and effort into trying to promote these ideas, trying to promote skepticism, trying to promote this idea of what's a logical fallacy, why does it matter? Everybody thinks they know logical fallacies and, and many people do. But we're not, most people are not taught these things in school and they're definitely not taught to practice these skills. What is it to look up a scientific paper? Why does it matter? Uh, the methodology, the research methodology, how can you find flaws in the methodology? Simple statistics when they talk about p-value. Most people don't know what p-values are, right? So in my work concerning the ultrasound hoax, because that thing that they radiate into the womb, uh, to, to, to look at the baby to see if it's safe. You can find scientific papers saying that, oh yeah, it's safe uh, to a p-value of. Well, most people don't know what a p-value is. So I've been trying to share this stuff with people for years, the stuff that I was fortunate enough to learn through my schooling and my time in the academic system and the stuff that I've taught myself as well. Some of this stuff takes hours to learn. I have had enough of trying to share that with uh, people publicly, especially because the majority of people, God love them, God bless them, they don't have eyes to see or ears to hear. They just don't care, and nor should they care. The majority of people are happy just to lead their lives, and if their girlfriend or their wife gets pregnant, oh, she's going to get an ultrasound, and they don't, they don't want or need to know what ultrasound really is. And even if they got it into their heads that maybe this so-called ultrasound is in fact radiation, which it is, they don't, they don't care about the p-value of some scientific paper written to it. They don't care. And I say good luck to them. The broader act realm is mostly made up of those people who don't know, don't care, never will. That's fine. This idea that all the people who are here and they know about 9-11 or 3-11, oh, they're all awake. No, that's not the case at all. Even in this scene, the majority of people, they don't have eyes to see or ears to hear, and that's perfectly fine. But yes, I've had enough trying to promote these ideas and these questions and this research to those people. I've had enough of that. Yes, I have. And I think eight years is more than long enough. All right. Good luck, John, and thanks for all the great content over the years. Well, thank you very much, Seabass, for the lovely comments. And I do hope that you take my reply to some of your comments in here about sugar daddy and lower tears and what have you. I hope you take my response that I've just given you uh, in the way that's intended. 
I'm not trying to come across as disrespectful to you, just as I'm sure that in your comment that you left here, you weren't trying to come across as disrespectful to me. Even though some people might argue that comparing my work to certain other people's uh, is a little bit Some might argue that, but no, I know you didn't mean any disrespect, and hopefully you understand that I didn't mean you any disrespect either. I want to read the Narrow Pass comment, because he made some good points as well. Before I do, before I get to that, one of my most recent pieces, because I talk about scientific papers and the research, and a lot of people are like, I can research JLB, like what's what's different about your research to mine? Well, I don't know. I, if you have research to share, leave it in the comments, I'll go and check it out. I look forward to it. Most people don't release their research as written pieces or as uh, videos or podcasts, most people don't. Even those who do, it's not clear that their research methodology is entirely consistent. So let me just read to you an overview. I'll just go through this article really quick to give you an idea of what I'm talking about when I talk about the scientific method and research methodology, these kinds of things. So a couple of weeks ago, I wrote this article called Breaking the Dino Code. Let me zoom in so that those of you watching on video, I guess I'll release this as an audio as well, but uh, those of you listening, don't worry. You'll, uh, you'll hear everything you need to hear in the uh, audio version. But for those watching the video, let's go through this really quick. So I published this a couple of weeks ago. Basically what had happened was I'd been on Godlike Productions. I'm not proud to admit it, but I'd been on GLP. Sometimes I do that. And I saw this article about dinosaur tracks from 113 million years ago that had been uncovered due to severe drought conditions. Yeah, ooh, my global warmings. They're finding new dinosaurs because of my global warmings. Goodness gracious me. So I decided to write an article about it. And I opened the article by pointing out that when I was a kid, there was this TV show called Breaking the Magician's Code. I'm sure many of you are familiar with it. And I just talked about how once, you, once they show you how a magic trick is done, the next time you see the same trick, there's no, it does, it's not inspiring at all. It's not entertaining at all. Because once you know the trick is done, it's like, even if you know the magic is fake, you know, it's just magic. It's just a trick. So long as you're there puzzling, how did they do that? Or like, it's, it's still to me, to most people, I think entertaining. But once you know exactly how it's done, generally the shining comes off. And the reason I started with that was because that's what's happened with me with dinosaurs and with scientism in general. So then I mentioned that I'm addicted to the net, which is true, unfortunately. Most of you, I'm sure if you admit it, you're addicted to the net as well. Some of you are not. You're only here for a couple of hours a week. That's awesome. Most of you are on your smartphones or you're on your computers several hours a day, just like me. But what you probably don't do, which I do do, and I'm not proud of it, is spend your time on conspiracy forums like Godlike Productions. So anyway, I saw this article about dinosaur tracks from 113 million years ago, and I decided to go and read this article, take a look at it. There's one of your dinosaur footprints in the in the thing. And I'm just skipping through, guys. There's a lot more information in the article. I'm just trying to skip through this to give an idea of what my research methodology generally looks like. I see a thing. Might be a conspiracy forum, for instance. Could be Reddit. Could be the mainstream news. Doesn't matter. Then I go and read, well, what is the actual news? What's the story they're trying to tell us? Then I go and look into it. Okay, so that's just a news article or just a conspiracy forum. What's the official story? Sometimes it's good to start with Wikipedia. Because Wikipedia is what most people consider to be the truth these days. That's where they go for the information. Wikipedia also generally has references that I can then go and click and read for myself. Takes a lot of time, obviously, but that's what I do. I put the time in. I save you the time. I go and do it myself. I say, right, guys, check this out. Here's what the scientific paper says. How do I do that? I go and try and find the scientific paper. Before we get to that, though, by the way, this um, story of the 113 million-year-old fossils that were discovered via drought... The officials, suppose that they were left by this thing called the Sauroposeidon, right? The Sauroposeidon. I wanted to find out what's the official story of the Sauroposeidon, okay? Not just these so-called footprints. I mean, they're claiming the Sauroposeidon did it. Okay, great. Who discovered the Sauroposeidon and when? 
And when I looked into the official story, it turned out that the Sauroposeidon was the holotype specimen. The original finding, well, it was a log. The people who first found it, the scientists who first found it, were like, no, nah, that's a reject, that's a log. Then another expert came by a few years later and was like, no, nah, no, nah, guys, that's not a log. That's a dinosaur. Okay, and that's what I'm telling you right now is the official story. Okay, they won't word it the way that I just worded it to you. But if you read their words and uh, take the time to understand what they're telling you, that's what they, they're fully admitting. Yeah, it was a log. Well, for the first few years, it was a log until a different expert came along. And so I had this video a few years ago that I released called Log or Fossil. And uh, I don't have time to play that right now, but it's one of my favorite videos, Log or Fossil. Anyway, in this case, they're actually telling you, oh yeah, this sauroposeidin, this giant dinosaur, when it was originally discovered, yeah, we thought it was a log. The experts thought it was. A so if even the experts couldn't tell the difference between a log or a fossil, I mean, you can see where I'm going with this. Anyway, so I tracked down the original news story from when the sauroposeidin was discovered. And I noticed that there was a little 11.3 in there, which I found interesting. And so I kept going further. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna go further and find the scientific paper. Sorry about the noise in the background, by the way. It's almost 10 p.m. here in beautiful Plovdiv, Bulgaria. This is the time when they're young dudes with their hotted up cars, they're hooning around, impressing women. I don't blame them, by the way. If you were a young Bulgarian dude, you would be trying to impress the young women here as well. My goodness gracious me. Oh boy, what a beautiful place. What a time to be alive. What an amazing country. So this guy who supposedly discovered this dinosaur, and by discovered, I mean took the log and said, no, it's a dinosaur. He said that it's truly astonishing. It's arguably the largest creature to ever walk the earth. Okay? Now, if you're like JLB, are you trying to tell me that the, large, the guy who discovered a dinosaur that he claims was the largest to walk the earth, that he found his holotype specimen, his original specimen, from what was admitted by other experts to be a log? Is that what you're trying to tell me, JLB? Yeah. And if you don't believe me, that's because you haven't read this article. You see, I provide links. I don't just provide screenshots. I provide links to everything I'm doing. So you can double check what I'm doing if you have the time to do so, which I would hope a lot of people have double checked at least some of my work, realize it's legit. I would hope there's no one out there who's like just taking everything I say on face value. There's bound to be some. But I do know a lot of people do check my references and that's why I provide them. I provide footnotes a whole lot. So I went and found. So if, if you're thinking, JLB, you're, you're uh, misrepresenting the science. Yeah, I, I, that, you still haven't seen through the trick yet, you see. That's the issue here. You haven't seen through the trick, whereas I have. Uh, and that doesn't make me better than you. <laughs> there's lots of things that I'm sure that you know more about than I do and things that you're better at than I am. But having spent seven or eight years unlocking, decoding this nonsense, for me, it's just like, it's just like cipher in the matrix, man. I just see through this nonsense so quickly. However, I still spend the time to go and double check what I'm looking into. So guess what I did? I went and found the scientific paper in question. Now, if you read this scientific paper, there's a lot of words in there that most people don't know, right? This is what I call gobbledygook. They write this way intentionally to uh, make the regular person respect what's being written and to make the regular person unable to pierce through the veil in the first place. Most people don't know some of the technical terms in these, say with this, uh, in this case, we're looking at paleontology. They've got their own set of technical terms that most people don't know and don't understand and won't spend the time trying to learn. It turns out it doesn't take that long to learn it. So what I did was I said, guys, I want to take all of the terms in here that most of us wouldn't know, most laymen wouldn't know, and I will find the translation, what it means. Then we will, re we will take this abstract, reword it. What are these people actually saying? Right? And uh, we don't have time to go through all of this right now. 
but I'll give you a few examples. Then I go through and translate this scientific paper into just regular terminology. And when you do that, the shine comes right off it, right? Like I said, I'm like safer in the matrix, right? I don't even see the code anymore. All I see is clowns, fools, and charlatans. Enough about that. If you go through the, the abstract, that seems so scientific. Oh, they've, no, forget about their wording. Let's, let's take a look at what they're actually trying to tell you. All right, and if you don't believe me, go and check out this article, Breaking the Dino Code. We are announcing a new long-necked dinosaur based on four vertebrae found in Oklahoma. Previous American long-necked dinosaurs were called Pleurocolus, but not much is known about them. This new dinosaur is a different shape and is bigger than the other ones. Our dinosaur is most similar to the long neck known as Brachiosaurus. The shape of our dinosaur, vertebrae, is similar to that of the Brachiosaurus, but ours is 25% bigger. From now on, if you want to say you found a dinosaur in this region, you have to call it the new Oklahoma sauropod, because we got here first. Our new dinosaur is the last one to exist in this area. In other words, we've got the latest and the greatest. That's what they're saying in their abstract of their scientific paper, right? Let's scroll back to that. In their abstract, they say, Sauropositum protilis, a new brachiosaurid sauropod, is represented by an articulated series of four mid-cervical vertebrae recovered from the antlers formation of southeast Oklahoma. Most early Cretaceous North American sauropod material has been referred to Pleurocolis, a genus which is largely represented by juvenile material and is not well understood. Regardless of the status of affinities of this dinosaur, the new taxon is morphologically and proportionally distinct. A lot of these words aren't even that complicated, but when you put them all together like this with the italics, and then you put in little things like C8 equals 1.25, this is gonna put a lot of people off. They're like, I don't understand this. I'm not one of the experts. The point that I've been making for years now is you don't have to be an expert. All you have to do is just take the time. Just take the time to translate what they're saying. And you end up with this. We found a new long neck and it's 25% bigger. Oh, and what's it based on? What's the, it's based on, by their own testimony, let's go back to this image here. It's based on an image, this dinosaur. Let's zoom in on this. Let's zoom in. They claim to have found a few vertebrae of a neck. This, this is their story, folks. This is their story. We found a few vertebrae of a neck. Used to be wood, by the way. We found a few vertebrae and now we can come up with this really impressive gobbledygook. Why, it seems so scientific. Let's go back to that. It seems so scientific. Look at this. Look how scientific that looks, folks. And this comes straight from a scientific paper that I got a PDF copy of. Most of the time, it's not hard to find PDF copies of scientific papers. Sometimes it is, it takes time. But usually you can find them. If you, if you know how and where to look, you can usually find them. So this abstract, look how it looks so scientific. You read through it, you realize, no, it's not. Now, the reason I wanted to go through that was because this is an example of what I'm doing. I'm not sure that other people are doing it uh, so much. I'm not sure they're really uh, going and finding scientific papers and breaking them down. And this is just one of the things that I do at johnthebond.com that I've been doing for years. This article is, of course, only for the members of johnthebond.com. I think this is another misunderstanding, which we'll get to in just a moment. I said that I don't know many people doing this kind of work. There are others. They're also at johnthebond.com. There's a number of people, a number of uh, members of johnthebond.com who've taken the time to do their own research, put it into an article with their own references, footnotes, etc., on all kinds of topics, including the history hoax. In fact, there's 50 member creations from about a dozen, 15 different uh, members of johnthebond.com who've gone and done this kind of work themselves. And so when you join a JLB member Discord call, you're not just talking to JLB who has done the work and shown you how to do the work and does the work himself. You're talking to a bunch of people who've done the work themselves. They haven't just watched some guy's video or listened to a podcast or, now I know the truth. 
No, the people who've gone and done their own work. And we get together every couple of weeks at johnlebond.com. That's the difference that I'm talking about. And this is the difference I think a lot of people don't understand. When we get together, the members of johnlebond.com, we can talk about anything. There's no topics that are off limits. And people, with a very rare exception, the ultrasound hoax being one of the exceptions a few years ago, oh boy, that was a disaster. Had to get rid of that member, unfortunately. Most people don't get triggered by people bringing up topics that they don't like to hear. And sometimes we disagree, okay? Sometimes I disagree with some of the members, they disagree with each other, they disagree with me. Sometimes there's like none of us are in agreement on anything. It depends on the topic. I'll give you an example. Why are some of the pro-lockdown health experts now making public apologies for their role in the charade known as the P-A-N-D-E-M-I-C? Why is that? My theory about this is different to some of the members who were on that particular call a couple of weeks ago. Another controversial question is, or not so much controversial, but has very different opinions, is are people like Novak Djokovic really in on it the way so many now seen seem to believe? A lot of people think people like Novak are in on it, that they've been given a script. I myself have a very different opinion, and there are different people on the website who have different opinions. We can get together, talk about these things. No one gets triggered. No one yells over the top of each other. No one starts flailing around and uh, making a scene. No, it's cool. That is the difference that I'm talking about. So to CBAS or to anybody, if you know where we can go and pay a few dollars a month, a few dollars a week, a few dollars a month, whatever the case is, and be part of those kinds of conversations with other people who can have those kinds of conversations, who've done their own work, who understands media fakery, etc., please tell me. I don't think such a place exists. I don't think such a place exists. Let's go to the next comment that I wanted to read out. This comes to us from The Narrow Path. He was replying to CBAS. He says... I was going to say the same thing as Seabass. Although I haven't been around for as long as you have, I do consider JLB to be the one person on the internet who I can look to and know that they are going to be honest and humble. See, that's a lovely comment. I really appreciate that. I'm not too familiar with The Narrow Path, uh, this particular YouTuber, but to describe me as being honest and humble, those are two very lovely things to say about someone, if you mean it sincerely. And I think he means it sincerely. Uh, Thank you very much for saying so. Because a lot of people, they claim that I am dishonest, that I am sent by the CIA or some shit like this, or they claim that I am arrogant, which is the opposite of humble. Why? Because I'm confident in what I say? I'm confident because I've done the work. That's not the same as being arrogant. Sometimes when you've done the work, that's when it's easy to be humble. You don't feel the need to argue with people who are wasting your time anymore. And a lot of people confuse that with arrogance. If I don't want to waste my time with someone because I know they haven't done the work, they're saying things that are objectively untrue. Like I've had people try and tell me about Uh, things to do with World War II, where they're getting the official story wrong. So when they find out that I don't believe in the official story of World War II, for instance, they'll start arguing about me, they'll start arguing with me about uh, certain points where they're actually getting the official story wrong. So before we even get into into my theories, this person can't even get the official story right. Why would I waste my time with this person? Some people confuse that with arrogance. It's not. It's humility. I'm humble enough to say, you know what? We can agree to disagree. There's no need to argue about it. Let's talk about something different or... Maybe not even talk any further. There's lots of people in this bar to drink with. Why talk to someone who doesn't even know World War II basic facts and wants to tell me that it's real? I haven't done the work. Anyway, uh, JLB's dinosaur hoax exposition is really what blew my perception of everything wide open. That means a lot to me. Thank you very much, The Narrow Path. I do appreciate that. John the Bon, the brain of the apocalypse indeed. I do now consider myself to be at a similar level of JLB Woke, and unfortunately the comment cuts off there, but that's okay, I've got a way to get around this. Why don't we go to my comments? For some reason when I use Firefox, it, uh, it does this. Why don't I just go to my comments? 
Yeah, so I can see things in my uh, YouTube studio, creator, whatever it's called, uh, that I can't see if I just use Firefox uh, as a, whatever, it doesn't really matter. The point is, here's the rest of that comment. So he says, I do now consider myself to be at a similar level of JLB woke, and I don't even pay attention to the happenings of the world stage, unless unavoidable, hence I'm on this video. So there is no reason for me to pay for membership. So again, this goes to the heart of, and by the way, I'll make this clear, if you don't want to join the site, if you don't think it's worth it, that's totally cool. I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong. You know where your money should go better than I do. I'm just trying to explain that there are some misunderstandings here. When you join JohnTheBond.com or if you, if you stay at JohnTheBond.com, some people have for five or six years. Sure, for some people, it's just my content they care about, right? They don't care about the community. They don't care about the, the movie Discord calls and all of that, right? There are some who, who feel that way. They're in the minority. The majority are there for the rest of the members of JohnTheBond.com. So any of you who've ever joined a club or a co-working space or something where you want to be around like-minded folk, then you understand the, the power of what we call community, whether it's online or in real life, being around, being exposed to the ideas of chatting with, becoming familiar with other people with like minds, that's what people are paying for. And so even if you know all about the dinosaur hoax, the narrow path, even if you know all about the spinning ball earth hoax or the ultrasound hoax, even if you have practiced and done your own work and become uh, very fluent in decoding the matrix for yourself, that's fantastic. You think, oh, now it's not worth joining JohnTheBond.com. It might not be worth it, but your reason is missing something. A lot of people aren't paying for that. They're paying to be around like minds. And why is this also important? Because in a couple of days, that'll no longer be an option anymore. You won't be able to join. And people say to me, oh, but JLB, doesn't mean you make less money from doing this then? Yeah, it does. It doesn't bother me anymore. <laughs> it doesn't bother me anymore. I'm not promoting my stuff to people anymore. In a couple of days, that's it. That's it. That's the end of JohnTheBond.com uh, promotions for people to join up as members. That's it. There'll still be a JohnTheBond.com for the existing members. Long may it continue. I think it'll last for, for many years. But you won't be able to join anymore, people. So if you do think that maybe you'd like to check out the extra content that is there, created by myself and other members, or chat with the other members, chat with myself, come and join the member Discord calls, be on the Discord server, be on the forum, just be around other people who know about this stuff and care about this stuff and can talk about it without getting triggered. If you think it might be worth it to you, you want to join me in the next couple of days. Okay, now, there are valid reasons to not join JohnTheBond.com. You might genuinely not have four US dollars per week. You might genuinely not have it. That is possible. Or you might have a, an aversion to online communities. That's fair enough. Or you might actually not like my content, which if that's the case, I don't even know why you're listening to this right now, but that might be the case. Whatever the case is, there's lots of good reasons not to join JohnTheBond.com. I hope in this video I've managed to explain that some of the reasons that are being given are very bad reasons. Now, while I've got your attention, one more thing I want to talk about. We've got another member Discord call coming up very soon. In fact, this weekend. So uh, tomorrow my time, we've got one coming up. And then Sunday my time, which will suit the Americans better because one's in the morning for me, one's in the uh, evening. We've got two different member calls coming up this weekend. They'll be the last member Discord calls that we do before the drawbridge is closed, before JohnTheBond.com is no longer open to new people to join. And we're doing this because it's September 11. So we're gonna have a big grand spectacular for 9-11 and also to help uh, celebrate the end of the first six years, the first major chapter of JohnTheBond.com. What a journey it has been. A big thanks to all of the people who have supported the website in any way. Even if you just joined for one month three years ago, I'm still grateful for that. Some of you who are watching this right now or listening, you were a member for a couple of years and then you left for your own reasons. 
thanks to you guys as well. Thanks to everybody who's been a member, even just for one or two months, except for those two or three people who came to cause problems who I had to get rid of. But even you guys, you kind of did make the place better because you forced me to get better at identifying. Is this person really... They, they pretend that they're, that they're here to, to understand where I'm coming from or where the other members are coming from, but it's, they're, they're actually... I think they're wasting our time. And I had to sort of get better at, at learning how to, uh, to get rid of those people. Anyway, I've had to do a bit of editing on this video. We've had, uh, I've had to, I mean, I'm struggling here, guys. It was a big, I need, it was a big few days in Sofia. But I had a great time. Now, there's one more thing I wanted to talk about. Was there? No, that's it. So, check the links in the info box below. Big thanks once again to Seabass and to The Narrow Path. I don't expect to see either of you on the johnlebond.com uh, website on the other side. In fact, based on what you've written here, it probably is for the best uh, for you two and for myself and the existing members. It's probably best that you guys don't join. But I do thank you for the comments. You inspired me to create this content that you're watching right now. Just to go over a couple of points one more time, I'm gonna buy myself a donut kebab tonight. It'll cost about four US dollars if I get the gula. In fact, it's probably more like three dollars. It's very, food's very cheap here, folks. It's incredible. Uh, to join johnthebond.com is at $300 a year, Australian, which is 205 US per year. You can join monthly, but if you're really trying to save money, join for a year, that's how you get the best deal. It's still like 25 US a month if you join as a monthly member. And of course, if you join as a monthly member, you can cancel any time. And that works out to, like I said, about four or five US dollars uh, per week, which I think anyone can afford. A lot of people's not worth it to them, which is fair enough. But that, that should be your reason for not joining. Just say it's not worth it to me. Don't, like, I just, over the next couple of days, people get to make a decision. And I hope they're making a decision based on as much of the uh, evidence, as much of the facts as possible. Because some of what I've read and heard over the last couple of weeks, couple of years even, I think people are missing the point. Breaking the Dino Code. I was originally, when I started sitting down to record this video, I was gonna make this, this article public so people could understand, like so they could read it and understand what I mean by research if they didn't already. Uh, I'm not gonna do that. But if you remember who hasn't read this piece yet, go and check it out. Uh, we've got the member creations, as I mentioned. It's not just me, JohnTheBond.com doing the work. There's lots of people doing the work, doing good work. Finding the primary sources and showing there's so many stories that we've been told are not just fake, but they're demonstrably fake. It's quite incredible, really. JohnTheBond.com, we talk about lots of things. We disagree very often, myself and the members, about all kinds of topics, but we do it in such a way that it is still fun, enjoyable, productive, constructive, cordial, collegiate. It's fantastic. And we've got another set of member calls coming up this weekend. And of course, in 48 hours, folks, JohnTheBond.com will be closed to new members. And I, for one, cannot wait. It's been a hell of a ride the last eight years. It's been a hell of a ride. And the ride doesn't stop, okay? This is just the beginning of one phase. The next phase begins in a couple of days when I focus all of my time and effort on creating content for the people who care about it with eyes to see and ears to hear who want to be part of it, putting my time and effort into that and not putting time and effort into promoting this stuff to people who just don't care and don't need to care. This is one of the big takeaways I've had from the last seven or eight years. Most people don't need to care about this. They're happy enough as it is. My content isn't for them. And I'm kind of doing them a favor by not releasing this publicly anymore. I won't be wasting their time. I don't wanna waste their time and I don't want them to waste mine or to waste the time of the members at johnthebond.com. Speaking of which, we've had a couple of members join just in the last couple of days. So Tina G, OJ, let me zoom in here. We've got some new members here at johnthebond.com, folks. To the latest members who've joined just in the last couple of days, Tina G, OJ Popstar, J Dog, and BM Seattle. What's going on on my screen there? There we go. Tina G, OJ Popstar, J Dog 71, BM Seattle, 
uh, check your emails, make sure that you've got the links to the Discord and what have you. And uh, there's also important information in that welcome email that I sent to all new members and to Anius, AJ Supplements, the Merriving in Epic Souls, Jeff P. They joined uh, a week or two ago in different cases. Some of you have replied to my welcome email, some of you haven't. You don't have to, but if I don't see you on the Discord and I don't get a reply to my welcome email, I assume it was lost. So to anybody who's joined the website and hasn't got that uh, invitation, please email me and I'll send you all the information that you need. And once again, a big welcome to the new members. You've joined just in the nick of time, just at the right time. The website is about to go to an all new level and uh, hopefully you guys enjoy it. So that's it folks, leave your comments in the comment section below. Thanks again once to Seabass and to uh, The Narrow Path. I wish you guys all the best. I wish everybody on YouTube, all the YouTube uh, viewers, all of the podcast listeners, all the people who uh, enjoyed my public work but won't be there for the next uh, phase of the content I'm putting out. Uh, I wish all of you guys all the best. I've, I'm leaving this um, public uh, content creation thing that I've been doing, more than a thousand YouTube videos, several hundred uh, podcasts and articles that I've made public over the years. I'm happy about the time that I've had. I've learned so much. I'm grateful. I leave with no um, bad sentiments or ill feelings towards anybody. It's been a, a hell of a ride. And I hope that you guys who've been along for this part of the journey but won't join for the next part, I hope that you guys uh, can look back fondly at this time as well. So leave your comments in the comment section below. I'm off to uh, edit this. It's going to take a couple minutes to get rid of the, the dead air and what have you. And then upload it and then make my way down to the local and uh, have a couple of cheeky froffies, I think. Uh, oh, maybe I won't. Oh, we'll see what time I finish editing this. Anyway, that's for me to worry about. Not for you guys. Have yourselves a great day, a good weekend. I'll see some of you for the member calls this weekend coming soon. And until then, a hee hee Shimon. Yeah, yeah, boy. Shit, motherfucker. <laughs> Shit, they're lying to us. There's an old saying in Tennessee. I know it's in Texas, probably in Tennessee, that says, fool me once. Shame on, shame on you. It fooled me, we can't get fooled again. With regard to nobody died, nobody got hurt in these wars. How dare you?